always be temptations to sin. That's it. Always. That's why when I find somebody that considers them holy, that considers themselves so holy that they are no longer tempted, never mind, watch out. I just know that they know they don't know what they're talking about. There will always be temptations to sin. And Jesus said one day to his disciples, then he goes on and he says, but woe to the man or the woman who does the tempting. In other words, he knows where to put the blame. There are a lot of weak people out there that fall into sin. But Jesus is saying, woe to the tempters. Okay? Because before a man or a woman ever falls into sin, there's always somebody out there that helped. Woe to them. And listen to this. And if he were thrown into the sea, in other words, if he were thrown into the sea with a huge rock tied to his neck, he would be far better off than facing the punishment in store for those who harm these little children's souls. I'm warning you. In other words, we are talking basically about Christians considering them almost as children. Rebuke your brother if he sins and forgive him if he's sorry. Even if he wrongs you seven times, that's a lot. That's when Peter asked, and Jesus said seven times, and then Jesus then changed the numbers around. And it ended up in somewhere in, what is it, 400 and some odd numbers. Even if he wrongs you seven times a day, each time turn again and ask forgiveness. Forgive him. And one day the apostles said to the Lord, <laughs> I love this, we need more faith. That's so simple. We need more faith. In other words, you are telling us so many new and beautiful things. But you know something? To understand them, to believe them, to make them ours, it isn't easy. And it's the truth. Have you spanned the spectrum of Christian faith? Have you spanned the spectrum of what's expected of us? Have you spanned the spectrum of what the Bible talks about easy living or not easy living, right living? I'm not talking about easy living. And have you come to the conclusion that there's nothing easy about it? There are situations that are difficult. The apostles say, we need more faith. And then this is what they said, tell us how to get it. I like that. Tell us how to get it. In other words, we want to know some in-house secrets. How do we get faith? And it's interesting because the chapter goes on to develop these truths. Faith is as small as a mustard seed. It fits under your nail. That's how small it is. That's faith. Because we are always talking in quantity. We're always talking in sizes. We're always talking about how big. And there's something about Jesus letting us know that it's not quantity. It is quality. And when we talk about faith, hey, size has nothing to do with it because faith has the size of a mustard seed. Yet he makes the comparison. That mustard seed can grow to be the biggest tree in the entire garden. It can house birds and nests, and it could give shade for a nice picnic. 
and at the same time it could produce more seeds. Okay? So that's where it starts. Jesus goes on and explains to them and says something else. It's this amount of faith, this little bit, this eensy teensy little bit of faith, it's going to move mountains. And when Jesus says it's going to move mountains, he's talking about all kinds of mountains. Now, Jesus used a literal explanation. He says, if you've got faith, you'll tell that tree to uproot itself and plant itself in the sea. And you say, well, well, he wasn't talking literally. Well, wait, folks, listen to me. Listen to me carefully. When you talk about faith, you're talking about an unknown dimension. You're talking about a dimension that isn't here where we live. It isn't here in the more provocative and the more uh, nurtured minds of logic. It isn't here in the wisdom and in the counsel of men. Faith is above and beyond that situation. It's somewhere up here. And the interesting thing is that faith is above logic and faith is above uh, all the thinking and all the wisdom of man. Faith is above all of that. Yet it's the faith that's above all of that. When it's applied, it makes life down here very livable. It makes life acceptable with all of its problems. Faith is never looking for an out. Faith is never depressed. Faith is never sick. It's not. It's not. You see, faith is divine energy. Faith is divine power. It's that spark that hits you, and when it hits you, you don't even know what to do with it. Because if you could do something with it, it wouldn't be faith. Because you see, faith is not manipulative. There are gifts that are manipulative, but faith in itself, it's not, in, in other words, it's not a toy that God gives you so you can play games in life. No. Faith is the great truth that he is and that you're giving him control of what you are. And with you knowing who he is and letting him take control of what you are, that connection, you see, faith is the human arm that goes up and in simplicity reaches out. Faith says somebody's going to grab my arm, my hand. And all of a sudden there's a connection. Oh, it's electrifying. It's electrifying. It's that moment where you say, okay, God, I know you're there. I know you're there. Now, don't scare me. I don't want to play games. I know you're there. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a wonderful moment. It's a little sick moment here in the piteous stomach. It's a little, well, let me put it this way, nerve-wracking moment because there's so much energy and power and faith that it weakens you. You see, faith doesn't make you get up like a tiger or like a lion and say, whoa! No. 
Faith crushes and crumbles. Faith tears you apart. Faith makes you know that it's all there and it's yours for the asking. But faith takes away the hunger for the terrestrial. It takes away the hunger for down here. Oh, listen, you don't become Superman or super spiritual woman overnight. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. And when I say you don't have a hunger, of course you do. Anybody here would like a nicer house than they're living in? Would you put up your hands, please? No tenga miedo. I would too. I put up both hands. Joe, you've got yours up? You better. Because we're going in this together. There isn't anyone here that doesn't want it. And it's interesting because when God consoled the disciples and said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. It's interesting that he should make the connection of faith with the greatest urge and the greatest human desire. A roof over your head. Isn't it interesting? You say, oh, sister, that doesn't talk about a roof over your head. That talks about heaven. Yes, it does. You see, in faith, your dimension of living is rounded out. Without faith, our dimension is terrestrial only. With faith, heaven is included. Heaven and earth. And let me tell you something. Whether you like it or not, whether you're a believer or not, whether you're saved or not, you've got to watch out for both entities. Because there's no one getting out of this life alive. You will enter the dimension of eternity. Can't get away from it. You say, I'm going to beat the rap. <laughs> no way. No way. It cannot happen. Faith can move mountains. The only thing is that when God moves a mountain, he doesn't move it the way you want it. He doesn't move it in the time that you want it moved. And he doesn't move it to your pleasure. But he does move it. You say, well, that, that doesn't make much sense. Yes, it does. Because usually what we want isn't usually good for us. And the way we want it, it's not going to work out. Because when we're dealing with faith, we're dealing with a dimension that we're giving to God. The dimension of the unknown. The dimension of time that's not in our hands. It's in His. So you have to say, Lord, I want this. Whatever it is. I want this. The only thing in wanting is one thing and attaching yourself to it. So that you have no energies left for reaching and searching. That's where the problem is. Okay? So you can get the house and you can get the car. Your boy may just get the Corvette. How do you like that? No, I'm not. What I'm, you know what I'm trying to say, folks. You know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is 
we can long for, we can desire, we can yearn for. The only thing is leave it in God's hands. Leave it in God's time. Leave it in God's will. You say, well, what do you do? Go sleep, take a nap in the meantime? No, you move about life taking upon the serious duty of your stewardship, of your life, of your job, of your home, of your children. There's, there's something to be occupied in. You know, we're not Don Quixotes. You don't go out to kill windmills. You don't have a little Sancho Panza near you and just, you know, hobbling along. You're not dreaming of dreams that are absolutely impossible. Yeah, let me tell you something. In the heart of Quixote, there was faith. Such a faith that he could see what no one else could see. He could see beauty through the ugly. He could see victory through the battles. He could see many things. And what I'm simply telling you is that a faith that's real is a faith that moves mountains. Okay? Now, let, let, let me tell you something else. Since God made man, faith has always been the only access to him. In other words, no one's getting to God unless they believe in him. It's not going to happen. Why? Because it's established. And you say, well, well, wait a minute. That means that there's a chance for man to lose out. There's a chance for man not to make it. No, no, no. Because you see, what, what nobody counts on is the most important element, and it's the fact that God made man. That's the most important fact. We are not a part of a protoplasm that exploded somewhere or an amoeba that uh, built itself into us. We are not a part of, a, of a, an explosion somewhere out there. We are design creatures. And if we have a design, we have a designer. We are a planned situation and we are the most gorgeous things God ever made. Hallelujah. There isn't a creature of creation that beats us. Nothing. Nothing. With all the wisdom that's coming out today and with all the power of all the technology that's available to us this day. When you think that life could be held in a fingernail, that's frightening to me. That missiles can be run and then that, uh, oh, I, I don't even want to talk about it. In a fingernail. But I thank God, and I say this to you with all of my heart, that we can connect with God through faith. And that's the greatest force on the face of the earth. And it's a force that simply says, use what's in you and what is in you. You were created by God, and in you there is an innate desire to know him. There is a longing to speak to him. There is a cry for him to do something for you. That's why you're never satisfied. That's why sin never satisfies. No matter what avenue you take, no matter what avenue you take, I have not yet met a satisfied sinner. 
There is always a hunger. There is always a yearning. There is always a burning. There is always something else. There is always a higher place, a greater, what shall we say, conquest. God made man. And faith will always be our access to him. I want you to look with me at Genesis. Those that have your Bible, Genesis 15. It's real quick. And Genesis 15, and this is interesting, verses 5 and 6 say something that, that, that speaks about a very special man, and you and I love him. Genesis 15, 5 and 6. Listen to what it says. Then God brought Abraham outside. I love this. I, I still say God's very romantic. Okay, we talk about moonlight. We talk about starlight. God is romantic. Then God brought Abraham outside beneath the nighttime sky. Oh, I love you, Lord. And told him, look up to the heavens and count the stars if you can. Preposterous. But go ahead. Don't you like God's imagination? Count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like, like that. Too many to count. And Abraham believed God. Then God considered him righteous on account of his faith. Hey folks, God took him under a starry sky and says, look Abraham, that's the way your family is going to be. I'm calling you out of the land of Ur. I'm calling you to serve me. And you're going to be the father of a big family. Look how big the family is going to be. Abraham looked ahead, ahead and looked up. Can you imagine Abraham trying to count those stars? Say, my God, what a family. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about it is when he comes to the reality, I don't even have a son. <laughs> That's the wild part about it. That's the wild part about it. Here's a God saying, that's going to be your family. And he doesn't even have a baby in his, what shall we say? In his tent. But you know what the scripture says? He believed God. Hallelujah. Folks, what is believing God? It's simply knowing that he'll do what he says. And like a child yielding to that great truth. You say, sister, it's not easy. Life is very complicated. I know it's complicated. Life is very nervous. I know it's nervous. Life has many avenues, and life has many forks, and life has many turns, and life has many crossroads. I know. I know. That's the beauty of faith. The beauty of faith, faith sees all the darts coming at you. It sees all the detour signs. It sees everything, but it hears a voice that's greater than anything he sees. And the voice says, I am the Lord, your God, and I shall be with you, and I shall never leave you, and I shall never forsake you, and my word is established in the heavens. And will see its way on the whole face of the earth. That's it. That's it. And you know, when you have faith, you bug people, you bother them. Because a person with faith just sees things being done. And the nervous person wants to see how we're going to get it done. Yeah. Matter of fact, the person without faith thinks that the person with faith is just lazy. Come on, move it. 
Let's get some action going. And you say, well, doesn't faith have action? Oh, it has a lot of action, but it's in God's time. You understand what I mean? It's a faith that plans. It's a faith that sees. It's a faith that determines. It's a faith that knows, hey, this is it. Let's go for it. Yeah, faith puts you to run. Don't think it doesn't. Faith puts you to jump and dance. Faith puts you to sing. Hallelujah. And faith sometimes starts you off. And it's, 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 it's like that commercial with bad breath. You remember? Standing somewhere in the corner. Nobody wants to talk to me. I just had onions. Nobody wants to talk to me. And they give them one of these little mentor. Great! They're not only talking, they're kissing. I don't know. They sell everything with a kiss today. But folks, let me share this with you. And remember it. Great faith is always achieved when, number one, when people listen to God. Would you turn with me to Romans 10, 17? Just, just a, little, a little travel through this word because it only enhances this great truth. Romans 10, and let's try that 17th verse and listen to what it says, and it's so beautiful. Yet faith comes from listening to this good news. Faith comes from listening to this good news. And what's the good news? Well, the good news about Christ. Faith cometh through the hearing. That's where faith comes. You see, folks, that's another one of the tremendous, powerful nuggets of coming to God's house. You say, sister, I'm not always in the mood. I know you're not. But you need it. You need it. You enjoy breakfast. Enjoy lunch. Enjoy a good supper. Nice banquet. I went to two yesterday. Mm, sorry. <laughs> we enjoy it. We do. There is no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, let me tell you something. The word is food. The word it could be a banquet, it could be a lunch, it could be a nosh, it could be a bagel with cream cheese. It could be anything. But the word, listening to the word, the word is always food. And I don't care if a little kid says it in poetry. Next week is Mother's Day. Please come. Don't anybody fail us. You'll see little kids saying what M is and what O is. And, and hey, it's worth a million. It's worth a million. You see, folks, faith is achieved when we listen. Half of life is listening. I, matter of fact, may I, may, I, may I say three quarters of life is listening. I used to think life was talking. I used to think life was sharing. I, think, I used to think life was giving. I used to think life was, no, 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 no. Life is listening. If three quarters is dedicated to listening to the word of God, to the word of God, to the teaching, let me tell you, that other quarter that's left for us, guess what? We'll use it to the utmost. It'll count in eternity. Our every thought and our every deed. Man has got to listen to God. Believing faith is only real. 
is our only real touch with a living God. Okay, that's faith. Now, faith demands, number one, stillness. Now, I want to I hear an open confession because it makes, it makes for good listening, okay? How many of you sitting there, now, come on, be, if you're not truthful, oh, no, I won't say that. I can't, I can't, I got to bless you. How many find it hard to be still? Now, I'm not talking about a depression where you get into a hole and you're, that's not what I'm talking about. Just to normally be still. How many find it difficult? Oh, I love you. Most human people in the world. Most realistic people in the world. It is the most difficult thing in the world to be still. Because even when you're physically still, and I'm not going to give signs or motions to the rest of the body, but you know where I'm coming from. It is so difficult to be still, yet it's an important factor in gaining faith. You see, we always think that we get something by working it out. Are you hearing me, folks? We get something by doing. No, I'm going to take care of this activity because I know God will bless me in that activity. Fine. Fine. I'm, I'm not saying don't do. But I'm saying that if you can't be still, it's best you don't do. Because what you will do will bring in the tremors that have not yet been stilled. Are you hearing me? Say, so what are you talking about, Sister Amy? To get a hold of God, you've got to stop the inner noise. What is the inner noise? I don't know your inner noises. I know mine. Inner noises are anything from the problems you're going through, decisions you have to make, disobedient children, plans of the future, anything, anything. The inner noise. And the thing is that people don't realize how loud the inner noise gets. And it does. And sometimes you can feel the impact of the inner noise. Because every now and then the inner noise shouts out. And sometimes it shouts out not at what it should shout out at. It shouts out because it needs a way out. So if the inner noise is creating a volcano in you like the one erupting in Hawaii, you lean next to the person closest to you. I love that old song. I sung it as a child. I sung it as an adolescent. I'm singing it as an old lady. You always hurt the one you love. The one you shouldn't hurt at all. You always break the dearest heart. The heart just shouldn't break at all. It was the ink spots or the mills, brothers. And when they would sing it at the sound of a big bass and just the plunking, I'd listen to that. I was just a little girl. And I would say, isn't it the truth? Hubbies, when you come home 
and you lash out at that woman because in your imagination she hasn't done a thing. That house doesn't look like anybody's been near it in a month. There may not even be food on the table. She's going to invite you to McDonald's. <laughs> and if you're a heavy eater, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Do you hear me? And you ladies that feel you're half of the household, you work too. Which is true. I love you. I believe in working women. Don't anybody stay home. I believe in it. But are you hearing me? Don't lash out at what you don't really want to lash out at. You see, you've got things going on inside. You just want a way out. You say, Sister Amy, what do you do? Well, communicate. Tell that person you love all the rotten things that happened to you that day, but not by beating her or by beating him. Just tell them. You know, you may get some very good advice on tremendous negotiations that you have to learn to make. Well, honey, look, why don't you look at it this way? Why don't you do that? And all of a sudden, there's two people understanding the same burden. You didn't have to beat anybody up and you didn't have to keep it inside. You'd let it out and you shared it. And you say, oh, but listen, my woman doesn't know anything about my work. Try her. Because it's not work that's bugging you. It's how you do it. That has to do with spirit, your spirit. And guess what? She knows an awful lot about your spirit. He knows an awful lot about your spirit. Okay? We're talking about faith. You got to be still. And stillness means stopping the inner voices. You say, well, sister, I don't have any inner voices. Okay, good. Then you have wanderings. What does that mean? You go off into utopia. You travel to the promised land, Florida. And you say, no, but that's good because, you know, I feel nice when I think of that. I think of the little house. I think of the little fence. I think of mowing my lawn. I think of tulips in the spring. Hey, yahoo, when? There's nothing wrong with it. But when we're being still for faith's sake, you know what I mean? Don't wander. Don't wander. Don't take your problems. Just be still. Let me give you this guarantee. Give God a minute. Give God two minutes. Give God three minutes. By the fourth or the fifth minute, and I'm, I'm dealing deadly truth, you will sense the overwhelming presence of a God that says, if you're waiting for me, here I am. But you see, he's got to wait till you stop wandering. And he's got to wait till you give up the internet. Because God doesn't shout. God doesn't scream. God doesn't say, everybody shut up. He doesn't say that. He's a gentleman, creator of heaven and earth, and treats you like you are 
a precious possession. His finest work, his finest hour. And so that's the way he treats you. That's why you can't get used to the way he treats you. Because you don't treat him that way. Do you understand? Give him time. Give him time. Give him space to move in on you. Now folks, you say, Sister Amy, you're, you're talking about faith and it sounds so beautiful. It is beautiful. How do we make it? How do we get it? Oh, Amy, are there any secrets? Is it the, I, I know there are no secrets, but is there any? Yes, there is. Let me share it with you. John 6, 28, please. John 6, 28. Just look at it with me for a minute. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it because it's going to speak right, right, right to your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. And it is so, so beautiful. It's so beautiful. John 6, 28. Okay. In miniature. I know I can't. You don't sit in front of a lawyer without watching him wanting to investigate. <laughs> Hallelujah. John 6. John 6, thank you so much. John 6, 28 and 29. And listen to what it says to you and to me. It's a word that's clear. It's a word that's open. Now, here we go again. All right. Yes, John 6, 28 says, and he replied, what should we do to satisfy God? What should we do to satisfy God? Now, wh where, where does this question come up from? It comes up from people that are very confused. You are saying one thing. You're saying you're the bread of life. Uh, the Pharisees teach us another thing. The synagogue is busy with another teaching. I mean, we're going out of our mind. So someone with a true heart, with an open heart, simply says to Jesus and says it loud and clear, what should we do to satisfy God? How do you satisfy God? Listen to this. And Jesus told them, this is the will of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. That's how you satisfy God. In other words... Believing in his son, faith in Jesus, is what satisfies God. Isn't that unbelievable? Your faith satisfies God. You know, I think of faith and I think faith satisfies me. Faith, faith satisfies my yearnings. Faith satisfies my burnings. Faith satisfies my needs. But no, 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 no. Faith satisfies God. Hallelujah. It, it, I, I, I see things so new, folks, that just by trusting in him, by believing in him, he becomes satisfied with me. Oh, this is unbelievable, folks. And what else do we have? Our faith also satisfies God because that's the answer. And this is the will of God that you believe in the one he has sent. In other words... 
it's a two-way street. You trust and believe. And then God is satisfied with your trust and your belief. Would you go with me first of all? It's the will of God and our faith satisfies God. Now go to 738, please. Uh, and this is kind of the, the, the cream on the top of this thought that I share with you this day. John 738. And listen to what it says, and it's so beautiful. For, John 7, 38. For the scriptures declare. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. For the scriptures declare. Okay. That rivers of living water shall flow from the innermost being of anyone who believes in me. Hallelujah. Now, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet returned to his glory in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, what is Jesus saying? He is simply saying that scriptures declare that rivers of living water shall flow from the innermost being of anyone who believes in me. Folks, faith brings rivers of living water now what are rivers of living water what is that what is that i can give you natural experiences that i think can help you relate to the spiritual experience of rivers of living water have you ever wanted something so badly so dearly so uh, so longingly and it came the moment when you received it and you were not disappointed. Do you know the feeling that that has? There's another very tender feeling that's involved also. And it's the feeling of the grandfather's feeling for a grandchild. It's, it's a beautiful feeling. I always remember when I was uh, recently married and had, I already had my four children, but I would see these doting grandparents and they would bother me. I really mean that. And my mother was the most doting grandmother in the world. And I, I couldn't understand this situation. I mean, I, I saw my mother do for her grandchildren what she never did for me. I was probably jealous. My mother had a patience with my children, with my brother's children, with my sister's children, with, with all of us, with all of them. And I used to say, what is this? And it bothered me. Then my father said to me, called me one day. My father was, he was just so unique. He says, mira, ven acá, hijita. I said, ah, papi. All you're doing is spoiling this whole bunch of brats. That's all you're doing. Because you say, go to grandmother's house and everybody gets dressed in five minutes. Go to church, they're dragging their feet for an hour and a half. Nobody finds socks, nobody finds uh, anything. And my father, he said, Ay, hijita, ven acá. Es que ser abuelo, and I'll translate, so hold steady, hang on. Es que ser abuelo es un amor metido en otro. Y sin los dolores, porque donde se mete no hay dolor. And I said, what? My father used to say, being a grandfather is a love put into another love. But it's minus the heartaches and pains of the first love. 
figure that one out later on. I mean, write a book on it if you want. Okay. But I did understand this. I did understand this. That there was a certain pleasure of that reproduction that no longer took the agony, the pain, the decision-making, the longevity of what you would do with them and what they would do with themselves. And there was just a beauty involved. There was just a tenderness. There was just a wanting to help. And that beauty and that tenderness unleashed everything they had. Because that's the way it is. Well, listen. Rivers of living water is something like that. It's a love that comes from another love. It's the love of God. But without the unbearable of a cross. It's the love of God. Without an open side and a wound. It's the love of God without nail prints. You see, Jesus has made us God's children. But he took the brunt of the birthing. And he took the brunt of the cleansing. And we're free. We're free to go before God like a bunch of spoiled grandkids. Only thing is we're legitimate children. Are you hearing me, folks? That's why having faith is not hard. Having faith in the eyes and in the dimension of religiosity is. But having faith in the simplicity of what faith is, it's just you loving the one that loved you. You won't ever have to die on a cross to redeem the world. You will never have to give up your life for the salvation of humanity. But you know what? You're in him. And all of a sudden you're satisfied to give him everything you are. And that's where this love meets and encloses itself. My precious people. There are pitfalls to faith. We want to duplicate faith, and we want to bottle faith, and we want to imitate faith, and we want to reproduce faith. So you stand here and you say, now everybody says this, come on, uh, I love Jesus. And we all say it, and I do it here, I tell you to say hallelujah, I tell you to say glory to God, and you're so obedient you do it. You understand? I say it out of joy. I say it out of simply an expression that we as Christian people should have. But whenever it's being used to pump up faith, faith is not pumped. Faith flows. And that's quite different. That's quite different. It's not what I do to get faith. It's not how I make it to get faith. It's how connected I am. How well I'm listening and how well I accept him and all he has for me. Faith cannot be manipulated. People try. That's why I never promise anybody if they come here, they're going to get healed. Because I really don't know if they're going to get healed or not. If they have faith for healing, God will heal them. That I can guarantee that somebody in this congregation has the gift of healing. No, I cannot. I cannot. Well, sister, you ought to stand on your faith. 
You ought to tell them it's going to happen. <laughs> and a little child shall lead them. <laughs> faith cannot be manipulated. It can't be. And faith can't be borrowed. Isn't that interesting? I used to think because my mother was a Christian, I was going to make it. I thought my mother's faith can handle all of us. We were just snappy, snotty kids. I said, no, mama's got faith for all of us. Forget it. When they blow that trumpet that she says is going to blow, we're all going up. And Stella had a dream and we didn't go up. Mama went and daddy went, but we didn't go. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is and always will be a dynamic explosion between man and God. Not between man and a congregation, not between man and a service, not between man and any religious activities. It doesn't explode because you're an usher, and it doesn't explode because you're a Sunday school teacher, and it doesn't explode because you're in new beginnings, and it doesn't explode because you run the machine back there. It doesn't explode because of that. It doesn't explode because of that. The dynamics is when man and God get together. And when they connect on God's terms. And what are God's terms? Simple faith. Believe on my son. Believe on the one that I sent. That's all. You believe on him. It's easy. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still and know. That you'll be in his word. And it's that word and the truth of that word that makes all the difference in the world. I want you to look at me. And I want you to look at John 5, 44, and that's the last of the chapters you'll be looking at. And our ushers will get ready to serve us communion this morning. Won't you please get into your places? Because right from here, we're going into communion, and I thank you. In the 44th verse of the fifth chapter, it says the following, and it is so beautiful. No wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other and don't care about the honor that comes from only God. Yet it is not I that accuse you of this to the Father. Moses will. Moses on whose laws you set your hopes of heaven. For you've refused to believe Moses. He wrote about me, Jesus says. But you refuse to believe him. So you refuse to believe in me. And since you don't believe what he wrote, no wonder you don't believe in me either. Hallelujah. What hindered their faith? What was it? What was it that hindered their faith? You're so busy honoring one another that you don't care where the real honor goes. Hallelujah. Folks, don't get so busy in religion. Don't get so busy in your pastor. Don't get so busy in your church. Don't get so busy in our trimmings that you forget why you're here. For him. We've got to see him. We've got to know him. We've got to love him. Hallelujah. You can come forward. As they're passing the trays, I'd wish everybody to take communion. For those that have sinned, there is the 
prayer of forgiveness and he does forgive. May I have the lights? Thank you so much. There is forgiveness. You say, sister, when are we forgiven? Well, when you ask sincerely for forgiveness, there is forgiveness. I want to share with you and tell you this day in a very special way that forgiveness comes with confession and that you make to the Lord. Let me tell you what confession sounds like. Would you give me the big light off? Thank you so much, Mark. Let me tell you what confession sounds like. Lord, I want to serve you, but I don't always know how. I want to serve you, but I, I don't understand the full essence of everything involved. I want to serve you, but I'm not into the religious but I do want to serve you and I want to know you. That's confession. Your confession may sound like, Lord, I do know you. And I want to know you better. I don't always make it. I've failed left and right. When I should be quiet, I've got my big mouth running. When I should be talking, it's very still because I don't have the strength, nor do I have the dynamics to say what I should say when I should say it. That's confession. Confession includes that which is commission, things you do. Confession includes omission, things you don't do. You had so many opportunities to be kind this week and you didn't take them. Those are the sins of omission. You had time to give a good word and you didn't give it. You had time to give an embrace and you didn't do it. You had time to tell a buddy that you felt for him and you know what he was going through. But you just didn't want to, you didn't want to sound too emotional. It's a sin of omission. Because as a child of God, we're told to take his spirit to mankind. Now the prayer of confession is this. I don't measure up to your standards, Lord. But I do believe you are. And I will walk until my walk with you and my faith with you brings everything to pass according to thy blessed will. In Jesus' name, say amen.